Hijacked, A Beechwood Adventure by G. Michael Smith Chapter 22, Prison Visit That evening, Billy and his dad gorged themselves on ribs. Billy loved it when his dad cooked ribs. There was never a vegetable to be seen, just ribs, piles of ribs. If his mother were here, he would be required to eat a vegetable, but she was not. So they put on bibs and ate sticky ribs until they could barely move. They looked at the pile of bones on the table and the sauce all over their faces and hands and started to laugh. Later, Billy lay in bed. Every few minutes he had to sit up and burp because he had washed it all down with a gigantic bottle of soda. He smiled because that was another thing his mother would frown upon. He could hear her voice in his head. One glass of soda has enough sugar to last a person for a week. Despite all the pleasure the dinner had given him, he still missed his mum. He missed her giggles when his dad would smack her on the bum at breakfast time. He missed blueberry pancakes and raisin chocolate chip cookies, but most of all he missed her coming into his room and kissing his forehead right before he fell asleep. Billy could feel her touch, even if she wasn't there. He fell asleep. He dreamed. He was hiding in the tunnel while zombies wandered around the yard of the Cooper place. His mind welled with the need to escape through the tunnel and out the barred gate at the far end. It was the only way out. The shed was filling with the undead, slowly wandering and bumping into each other, moaning and hissing with each contact. But the gate was locked with a huge brass padlock. The floor above his head was creaking with the weight of dozens of rotting corpses, more were squeezing into the shed with each passing second. The cracks in the floor were leaking zombie guts. A drop of disgusting fluid fell through a crack and nearly hit Billy in the eye. The smell made his stomach heave. The floor was about to break under all the weight. Billy ran down the tunnel just as the floor collapsed. The zombies in the yard heard the crash and were attracted to the noise. They turned to the shed and fell through the broken floor on top of dismembered bodies of undead. They continued to fill the tunnel, gradually lurching down toward the locked gate where Billy crouched. He tried to be quiet, hoping they would not notice him, but the smell made him gag. He put his hand over his mouth, just as a zombie was about to touch him with a bony hand. He woke up suddenly, slipped out of bed, and ran to the bathroom. He felt like he was about to puke. He stuck his head over the toilet, but nothing came out. His stomach slowly settled. He got a drink of water and rinsed his mouth. He walked back to bed and pulled the covers up over his ears. His last thought before he fell asleep was, I have to find a way to open the lock at the end of the tunnel. The next two days were spent painting and wondering about the grad student's visit to the forge on Thursday. 
Billy re-entered the cellar with his dad's screw gun and made sure that the university students coming to inspect the forge would not discover the tunnel. He had replaced the blown bulb on his string of lights and run the cord all the way down the tunnel to the locked gate. He even drilled a hole in the concealed area of the shed floor at the end of the workbench and threaded the extension cord down to his string of lights. After dinner, Billy decided to go and visit Jackie. He had been grounded for the camera-computer fiasco. Billy slipped down the driveway to the back of Jackie's house. He had a handful of pebbles that he proceeded to toss at Jackie's bedroom window. After the third one hit with a resounding tink, Jackie opened his window. He had a big smile on his face. He whispered down at Billy, It's about fracking time. They won't let me use the phone and I have to be in my room after supper. I need to talk to a real human being. Get up here. Are you allowed to have visitors? It never came up, so I assume I can. Jackie winked. But to be on the safe side, come in the basement door and go all the way upstairs. They're watching the news and they won't hear you. Are you sure? It's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission, I know. On my way, said Billy, and he disappeared from Jackie's view. A minute later, he slipped into Jackie's room. Am I ever glad to see you? I have been going nutso. How long are you in jail for? After today, I will have nine days left. I'm not sure I can do the time. He sighed and flopped down on his bed. Tell me what you've been up to in detail. Oh, nothing much, just working at the Cooper place. How was the trip to the university? Boring, except for finding out that the skeleton was a Chinese man. The guys at the university named him Mr. Wong. They think he was murdered. He had a hole in his skull. He was shot in the back of the head. Cool. It sounds like he was executed. How long ago did he die? Oh, they figure about a hundred years ago. Do they know who killed him? Nah, said Billy. He slipped his hand into his pocket and, without considering the consequences, pulled out the buckle and flipped it in the air. On the second flip, Jackie quickly sat up and snatched the buckle out of the air. Give it back, insisted Billy, feeling stupid for taking it out in the first place. Jackie inspected the buckle. As I recall, there were some doodles you asked me to figure out. Billy snatched the buckle back. I never asked you to do anything. Last time you spit on my buckle. That was not cool. I don't want you to spit on it again, shouted Billy. I wasn't going to spit on it. What were you going to do? I was going to dirty it up, you know. Rub some dirt or soot into the little cracks. Accentuate whatever it says so we can read it, responded Jackie defensively. It doesn't say anything. Just some scratches from being so old, that's all. Billy slipped it back into his pocket. They both heard a shout from the hallway. It was Jackie's sister. Mom? Dad? The cretin has somebody in his room. That is not allowed. You wouldn't let me have any visitors when I was grounded. Oh, crap, 
he said, and he jumped off his bed and went to the door. He opened it and shouted out, You weren't allowed visitors because that's the reason you were grounded in the first place. Visitors. Boy-type visitors. No one said I couldn't have visitors, and anyway, Billy doesn't count. We're brothers. He slammed the door to his bedroom. A few seconds later, there was a tap at his door, and his mother poked her head inside. Time to go home, Billy. Jackie the lawyer is grounded. He's not allowed visitors. Jackie started to whine. But you never said... His mother held up her hand. I don't have to. I'm the boss of you, and I can make up rules as I go. Maybe next time you will ask permission before you act. Billy walked toward the door and passed Jackie's mum. Sorry, Mrs. Houston. He left the room and walked home. He was thinking about Jackie's suggestion of making the buckle dirty so he could make out the worn markings. He would light a candle over a piece of aluminum foil and rub the resulting soot into the cracks. Maybe then he could decipher the etchings on the buckle's edges. Chapter 23 University Visitors Thursday morning found Billy in the Cooper House living room. His dad had smashed all the old plaster off the walls with a sledgehammer and a spade. Under the plaster were thin strips of wood called lath and bits of chicken wire mesh used to hold the plaster in place. Most of it was gone and lying in a pile on the floor. Billy wore a simple breathing mask and gloves. His job was threefold. First, pick out all the wooden lath, remove the nails and pile it in the yard. Second, shovel the bits of plaster and wire into the wheelbarrow and dump it on a tarp beside the truck. Finally, remove the nails from the bare studs in preparation for the new insulation and drywall. Billy was at the wheelbarrow stage. This was not his favorite job. Twice he had overfilled the wheelbarrow and accidentally dumped it as he wheeled it down the ramp. Getting the mess off the ground and back into the wheelbarrow seemed to take forever. His dad was standing on the porch looking down at him, shaking his head. You know, he began. Billy interrupted. If you put less in the wheelbarrow, it would take less time in the end. I know, I know. If you know, why do you insist on this? His dad gestured at the pile of plaster in the front lawn. I had to figure out what was too much. The only way I could do that was to do this. Now I know, okay? Billy replied in an irritated tone. His dad did not bother with an answer. He simply grinned and turned around and walked back to the kitchen where he was working on mudding the new drywall. Billy dropped a piece of plaster into the wheelbarrow and walked into the house. He watched his dad for a moment and then asked, When is the guy from the university coming? His dad looked up at Billy. Damn, I forgot. I have to go to town this afternoon. Can you let him into the cellar and show him the old forge? He said he was coming sometime this afternoon. Sure, said Billy. He turned around and continued his work. 
After lunch, Billy continued to remove the mountain of plaster and wire. As soon as his father left, he stopped and opened the trap door in the kitchen that led to the cellar. He climbed down the steps and pulled the string hanging from the newly installed light bulb in the middle of the room. The room was brightly lit. Billy turned in circles, looking at the walls, forge and the shelf. He wondered if this forge had been used to melt down stolen gold and pour it into brass figurines. His eye caught a glint of yellow coming from one of the top cubbies on the back wall. He realised it was the head of the bright yellow screw he had used to secure the left panel. Now, even if you pulled on the hidden ring, the shelf would not open. He looked on the floor, reached down and pinched some dirt between his fingers. He climbed up and wiped spit on the screw head, and then rubbed dirt over it so that it was invisible. He shut off the light hanging from the ceiling and unscrewed the bulb. He was pretty sure that Ed Upton would not find the hidden tunnel if he had to use a flashlight. All the brass ornaments he found on the shelf when he was cleaning were now in a box upstairs, waiting to be inspected by Mrs. Cooper. If he spent too much time inspecting the shelves, Billy would ask him if he wanted to see them and take him upstairs. He felt good about his plan. Billy returned to his plaster clean-up and was nearly finished when the white van from the university drove up and Ed Upton got out. He was followed by the girl. Hi, Billy, Upton said. He turned to the girl. This is Ming. She works with me. Is your dad here? Nope, said Billy. He no longer trusted Ed Upton after hearing their plans to search for hidden treasure. Treasure that was Billy's to find. Will you show us the forge in the basement? asked Ming in a sweet voice. There is no basement said Billy bluntly. He stared at them suspiciously. There's only a cellar I will show you, but you'll need a flashlight. Lights don't work. Ming opened the sliding door of the van and held up two flashlights. We've come prepared. Billy walked into the house and pointed at the kitchen floor and opened the trap door. It's down there. Ed and Ming climbed down the stairs followed by Billy. It's there, the forge. Don't step on that or the entire cellar will fill with dust. Ming's flashlight swept to where Billy was pointing. This is clearly a forge and that is the bellows. She turned to Ed. Could someone use this to create brass ornaments? His flashlight swept over the forge. He did not pay any attention to the shelves on the back wall. Billy did not even look in that direction. He did not want to draw even the slightest bit of attention to it. Finally, Billy said, I got a bunch of brass animals upstairs. You want to see them? Both Ed and Ming's faces brightened. In unison, they said, Sure, very much. Billy turned to the stairs and walked up, followed by the other two. He closed the trap door and headed into one of the bedrooms where he had put the box of ornaments. He pointed. They're in there. You can have a look. I have to get back to work. He turned to go, and then a perfect lie jumped into his head. 
He turned back and said, We made an inventory of everything in the box and sent it to Mrs. Cooper. She's the owner. He figured they would not be able to get away with stealing anything from the box if they thought there was an inventory. Take your time. Billy finished the plaster cleanup and started on the third part of the job, pulling an infinite number of nails from the studs. When they installed the lath, they seemed to think that if two nails were good, then fifty nails were better. The heads of the nails were black and hard to see. Billy ran his hand along the stud to feel for any nails he had missed. One nail left behind could punch a hole in the new sheetrock that his father would soon install. He was standing on a small stepladder, running his hand down the stud that he had just completed when the two university students came out. They were carrying two small brass ornaments. They held them out in front of them. Billy turned as they exited and pulled his hand away from the stud. It caught on the sharp edge of a protruding nail he had missed and cut the palm of his hand. He jumped to the floor and cried out, Ouch! The girl moved toward him with concern in her voice. Are you okay? Billy looked down at his hand. He was bleeding from a cut the nail had torn in his palm. He instinctively moved his hand to his mouth to suck the blood. The girl took a step forward and grabbed his arm. Don't put that in your mouth. Billy looked up at her questioningly. Some of these old houses have mold and fungi spores that can make you very sick. These old houses tend to harbor them in the walls. She pointed at some old tar paper in the walls. It can grow on that. You should have a breathing mask. Billy looked at his mask that was sitting on the box in the corner of the room. Oh, I thought that was for dust. Since I stopped making dust, I took it off. It would be better to keep it on. One of my archaeology courses covers the dangers of finding old books and scrolls that contain ancient mold spores. They can make you very sick. Ed Upton stepped forward. Ming, you're scaring the kid. He turned to Billy. The most common effect is a mild allergic reaction. Do you think we can borrow these or return them in perfect condition? Billy pulled a painting rag from his pocket and pressed it to his bleeding hand. You'll have to ask my dad. He should be back soon. Sounds great. We'll wait on the stoop. You better wash that hand, said Ming. They went out to wait for Billy's father to arrive. He drove in just as Billy turned on the hose and started to wash the wound on his hand. Chapter 24 Translations After dinner, Billy's dad asked to see his hand. After a brief inspection, he grunted, Worse than I thought. You should have shown me this sooner. He got out the first aid kit and removed a bottle of disinfectant. Hold your hand over the sink. This is going to sting a little, but if you leave it, an infection will set in and that will hurt a heck of a lot more. Billy winced as the disinfectant was poured over the jagged cut. His father cleaned the wound with a piece of gauze, put some ointment on it and bandaged it up. This will hurt some over the next few days. 
I'm giving you tomorrow off. I want you to keep an eye on it for infection. If it starts to get red and more painful than it already is, you let me know. And this reminds me, we should take you into the walk-in clinic to get a new tetanus shot. It's been a few too many years. Billy looked up at him. Needles were not his favorite thing. I'll keep it clean. His dad had given him a couple of safety lectures that explained what tetanus was. He would keep the wound clean. It was not very deep and he felt sure that it would heal. Still, he decided to let his dad worry a little if it got him a day off. Immediately, he felt a tinge of guilt for thinking about taking advantage of his dad's need to care for him. He brushed it aside and started to make plans for his unexpected day off. First, he would inspect the buckle and see if he could read the scratching. He took a candle, matches, and a piece of aluminum foil to his room. He lit the candle and held the aluminum foil over the flame until the thin metal was covered in a fine soot. He extinguished the candle and blew on the foil until it was cool enough to touch. He smeared the soot on his index finger and rubbed it into the small scratches on the buckle. After a few minutes, he could see some shapes. They made absolutely no sense to him. He turned the buckle upside down in the hope that some meaning would jump out at him. Nothing did. He set the buckle down and then picked it up and spun it again on the end of the sharp pencil. He could clearly make out the image of the house, shed, and outcrop on the median of the freeway. They were all joined with a wiggly line. Well, Mr. Wong, your built buckle clearly shows the tunnel, but what the heck are these other markings? said Billy out loud. Mr. Wong, the owner of the buckle was Chinese. He peered again at the markings. They were saying something written in Chinese. Billy did not know anyone who could read Chinese. His old piano teacher was Chinese, but she had moved away last year, and anyway, if he asked someone to translate, he might have to explain about the buckle. That was his secret. Till he figured it out, it would remain his secret. He started to draw what he saw on paper. When he finished... He headed out to ask his dad if he could look something up on his computer. He stopped. His father would ask what he was looking up, and he had to have a reasonable lie ready instead of the truth. He couldn't say, I'm looking up some Chinese words I found on the belt buckle I never told you I found in Mr. Wong's grave that showed me the tunnel that I also never told you about, that might lead to a treasure of gold, silver, and jewels. Suddenly, he knew he had the perfect lie. He remembered Ming talking about mold and how it could make you sick. That was what he was going to look up. Mold. Billy stepped into the living room. His dad was doing what he usually did. He was watching the TV and reading a book at the same time. If he asked his dad why he did both at the same time, the answer would be, because I hate to waste time. As soon as the commercial comes on or the show gets predictable, I read my book. That way I'm never bored. May I use the computer in your office? I, I want to look something up. 
his dad responded. Sure, without looking up from his book. A truck commercial blared. Billy knew he would get asked for details later, so he immediately looked up dangers of mold and then clicked a new tab. He typed in translate Chinese characters to English and hit enter. There were a lot of sites that could translate English into Chinese, but how could you translate Chinese into English? He scrolled down the screen and saw what he needed. Find Chinese characters online by drawing them with your mouse. He went to the page, unfolded the slip of paper he had drawn the Chinese characters and proceeded to draw them into a small box on the website. He chose the easiest character first. He drew three horizontal lines with the mouse. To the right of his drawing there was a grid of sixteen possibilities that changed as he drew. He clicked on the one that looked the most like his drawing. The word sand popped up. Billy clicked on translate. The site told him the word meant three. He continued with the other characters and was rewarded with the following. San, three, men, gate, one, block, yan, key. The word key came up. Billy's heart rate jumped. He read the words over and over, trying out different orders until the little rhyme filled his head. Gate, key, block, three. He repeated it over and over. The first part was obvious. The key fit the lock on the barred gate at the end of the tunnel. The second part was where the key was located. Brick three. The wall that blocked the tunnel from the cellar was made of bricks, and bricks were just blocks after all. Maybe one of them concealed the key. But which one was the third block? Just then, the TV volume dropped. Billy quickly clicked on the mold tab of the browser. His dad came in, and Billy said, Hey, Dad, did you know that you can get chronic lung disease from breathing in spores from old books? Ming told me that they can also be in old houses, like the Coopers, and I should always wear my mask. That's why I got it for you, he grunted. I'm going upstairs to read. I'll probably fall asleep, so I'll say good night now. In the morning, I have to go across town to give a quote on new jobs starting in October. We should be finished with the Cooper place by then. I will be gone most of the day. What are you up to on your day off? I thought I would plan a sleepover tomorrow night in our hideout fort. Okay with you? Have fun. Be safe, he said and turned towards his bedroom, then disappeared. Night, Dad, Billy called after him. I'm going to bed too. He shut down the browser and went to his room. He had to consider his next move. He had to find the key and open the lock. If he was able to do that, he would be one step closer to finding any treasure that might be hidden.